Hello and welcome everyone. This is the maiden episode of a brand new podcast, Cricket Beyond Borders. This podcast features three members from different countries. Firstly, introducing myself, I am Arun Surana, currently associated with Gorilla Cricket UK as a feature writer. I live in India and specialize in covering Indian cricket. Next up and joining us today is Daniel Shah Abidi from Pakistan. Daniel, could you please introduce yourself? Hello everyone. My name is Daniel Shah. I'm currently a university student studying social sciences and I'm an aspiring sports journalist with the great passion of covering Pakistan cricket. I've had the opportunity to cover the Pakistan Super League last year and I often write articles covering Pakistan's cricketing history as well as Pakistan's cricket in general. And I I would like to add that it's a great honor for me to be here on the at this podcast with Aryan and Rupayan, who's not amongst us right now. Yeah, Rupayan couldn't make it due to technical reasons, but we really hope that he can join us in the upcoming episodes. So, starting out, the theme for the Maiden podcast is the England and Pakistan series that is underway in Pakistan. Two of the tests have been played out in Rawalpindi and Multan, respectively. Although the first test in Rawalpindi wasn't a brilliant advertisement for test cricket. It was a very dead motorway and uh, even Ramiz Raja was critical of it, the PCB chairman and ICC also deemed it below average. So we are going to have some real concrete insight from Daniel who is obviously a native. So he can help us shape our understanding of why pitches in Pakistan and Rawalpindi more precisely are so unresponsive and benign. Pakistan used to play most of its cricket in the UAE prior to recent times when teams have actually started visiting Pakistan for cricket due to security issues being handled. This was a much anticipated series, I believe, because for the first time, a whole new generation of Pakistani cricket fans would get to witness people like James Anderson, Joe Root and Ben Stokes play in their home country. The pitch in Rawalpindi was obviously a big disappointment for all cricket fans, not only Pakistan cricket fans, because this series in general had a lot of importance in the context of the World Test Championship. There has been a lot of criticism on the chairman, Ramiz Raja, and because quite recently, Pakistan cricket, before getting under the leadership of chairman Ramiz Raja, did play test cricket in Pakistan. I would like to mention the South African tour of Pakistan, which was held in 2021, where result-oriented cricket was played. It was the same Pindi pitch where both teams were able to score 200 runs in all four innings. And compared to that, if you move on to the Australian tour of Pakistan, where the first test was also played in Pindi, Pakistan scored 476 runs in the first innings, while Australia scored 459. And then in the second innings of the game, Pakistan scored 252 runs without loss of a wicket, which led to the game being ending up as a draw. Uh, and uh, the average of 84.09 runs per wicket in that test was the highest ever recorded since the Sri Lanka-Bangladesh test in Gaul in 2013. Pakistan's premier domestic tournament, the Kaidyazam Trophy, which is a five-day tournament, it got recently concluded and majority of the games were being played all over the country. A lot of games were played at the Pindi Cricket Stadium and just 
prior to the commencement of this series i would like to mention that a game was played with a green top wicket at the same pindi cricket stadium the average first innings totals in the kaizazam trophy which, which of the games that were held in pindi the totals included runs like 210 188 269 278 185 runs and then from having such close encounters with the bat and ball when a team like england visits the expectations of fans in general get to a higher point but what we saw in pindi was clearly disappointing yeah because uh, if you compare how the rawalpindi test panned out and you pit it against the day one of the indian bangladesh test in chatogram you can see a stark difference in the way cricket was played like in chatogram there was a hint of spin there was a little variable bounce and both the batters and the bowlers were engaging in an equal contest and that makes it really exciting for a viewer not a lopsided battle in which there are four centuries smashed in a day the highest day one total ever seen in a test gets created and the record for the highest ever scoring test match ever so it was a very jarring experience as a viewer to just see bowlers being sent on a leather hunt throughout the test and kudos to england they created a result out of that because it looked really improbable at one moment just is there a sense of ambiguity in how the messaging is passed on to the curator because pakistan themselves are not sure what are their stronger suits since ramiz raja took over as the chairman this uncertainty has rose amongst the pakistan cricket fraternity because prior to his chairmanship you did not hear much about the pitch especially when it came down to test cricket because again like i mentioned the sri lankan tour of pakistan the south african tour of pakistan all had results and it was something quite different from the brand of cricket that was being played in the australian series i would like to add a really important point over here that since ramiz raja took over he mentioned how he wants to bring in drop in pitches which is something that is used in australia drop in pitches are a lot of monetary burden i believe initially but ramiz raja did plan to execute the idea about the message being conveyed from the management to the chairmanship i definitely believe there's a lot of miscommunication because captain babar azam did mention this in his press conference that the pitch they were expecting at the pindi cricket ground was not available to them and i think it took them off guard as well uh, one of the points that we can make to encapsulate that pakistan had not been preparing pitches that are conducive to their strengths is that ben duckett is a batter who has failed in bangladesh and india but he managed to succeed and succeed astonishingly in pakistan he scored 248 runs and uh, it's been an exceptional performance from him so for pakistan to prepare a pitch that allows somebody like ben duckett who's not the strongest player of spin to thrive uh, that in itself says a lot so would you like to shed some light on it Yes Aryan completely I agree with you Ben Duckett has obviously had a shaky career ever since he made his debut in Bangladesh in 2016 after coming up from the under 19 cricket and then for, after playing for the English Lions initially Ben did 
struggle in the subcontinent conditions as we mentioned that his average in bangladesh and his his average in india is something that is quite different from his stats in pakistan ben average is 23 in bangladesh and has an average of 6 in india however i would like to mention over here that ever since ben was dropped from the international circuit he has been playing a lot of first class cricket and that has clearly shown in his comeback over the time that he was dropped ben duckett had played 119 first class games that clearly helped him improve as a player and get mature with time he has a really strong sweep and reverse sweep shot and then he has been able to execute that in pakistan in this test series and even prior to this when england came to pakistan for the t20 series ben has been using the sweep shot at his ease he has been very confident amongst the spinners and in general the fact that ben struggled in india and bangladesh says a lot about the conditions in pakistan and how out there is an uncertainty and there is a lot of miscommunication between the management and the players as well as the curators as to what kind of a pitch they want very interesting point that you raised there it does give you a peek into how england have been approaching this series obviously there's been a lot of hubbub around baseball and the philosophy of being ultra positive playing an hyper aggressive brand of cricket so i would like to know your opinion about it i have a stat england against pakistan at the world t20 world final held in australia played with an economy of 6.60 Coming down to this test match that was held in Pindi, England scored at an economy of 6.62 in test cricket, and that too in conditions that seem to be haunting to say the least for players from England. But again, it's about the mindset and the approach, which comes under the name baseball, and it is something that has been working for them. Be it against New Zealand in England, the one-off test against India. and finally now here in pakistan yeah absolutely uh, and one of the things that really struck me was joe root saying that the reverse scoop is far more safer than a than a classic cover drive when the opposition has set a 72 offside field so for someone like joe root who is considered to be a very conventional textbook batter to say something like that really gives you an insight that okay each and every one of the england team is buying into that philosophy and they've collectively agreed to play that brand of cricket yeah i completely agree with you aryan baseball is definitely more than just playing attacking shots it's about the mindset it's about the tactics that england have been using in test cricket and i certainly believe that it is an approach that to some extent is questionable as to how sustainable it is coming up against countries like india in india it's not only something that is restricted to the batsmen even with the bowling i believe seeing that the pindi pitch did not offer much to the pacers or to the spinners england did not operate with the conventional test match field of having three slips and a gully but rather with the new ball you saw england attack with the short ball the short ball is something that obviously the pakistani batsmen have already struggled with 
and i think it's something that did work from them because you saw abdullah shafiq who has a great temperament in test cricket and the likes of babar azam they actually lost their wicket to this england approach so i believe baseball is something that is not just restricted to playing attacking shots i believe it's the mindset yeah that is something i also wanted to touch on because uh taking you back 5 or 6 months i think andrew miller the espn cricket info writer he had coined the term baseball and uh, there had been a statement from brendan mcclam himself that he actually dislikes that moniker because what it does is it, it sows the seeds of the idea into the minds of the viewer or the people who are trying to follow the fortunes of england cricket that baseball is all about turbocharged batting and that's about it but it's not that there is more to baseball than that and uh, if you look at it it seeps into every aspect of their game plan it's about setting imaginative fields having good intent in the field and looking to turn contest into their favor from any position and uh, that's what we saw in the rawalpindi test i think it was meandering towards a very dull draw but england they did set a tempting target england did have a very good chance of losing that test match from there on because 350 odd can be chased in the fifth day we have seen india do that in gaba so it is definitely achievable and not a very herculean task especially when the pitch is not playing that many tricks how often do you see a batsman walk down the pitch and hit a six down the ground on the first ball of a day that is what ben stokes did to nasim shah and he caught him by surprise because nobody was expecting him to do that from that i believe to move to the brave declaration i think england really walked their talk because joe root and captain ben stokes they really emphasized on how they want to play result oriented cricket and obviously it's a risk that they employed but again the risk they took with that declaration i believe was justified with the risk they were taking in their batting and in their bowling because playing a reverse sweep in general is something you know referred as tough and doing that on the first ball of your inning while you've just lost a wicket is something that takes a lot of bravery but again i believe that for something like baseball to be executed it's really important for the entire 11 and even the management to be on the same page because in countries like pakistan players generally have a fear about them being dropped from the team and which is why a player might restrict himself from playing such a shot because he would not want to lose his wicket in such a manner when you have the surety from the management that maybe you're here for a long run and that the teams on one page everybody is encouraging such a band of cricket then i automatically believe that the play becomes fearless and the results of which we saw and again it's something that keeps on building up from it i believe because england were i believe in a tough position during that windy game because 343 in the fourth innings is definitely a big ask but with the pitch not offering much pakistan did have a really good chance and even the head coach of pakistan did mention the fact that pakistan 
were in a good position prior to the chase and they were in a complete commanding position during the chase as well because Saud Shakil, who was on his debut, was batting very confidently and there were some decent contributions from Azhar Ali, Mohammad Rizwan and Aga Salman. But again, I believe he who dares wins. I guess that saying would be really appropriate for this test match. And in general, the way England attacked and the brand of cricket that England played, England really deserved to win this game. And that is what happened. And moving on, even in Multan, you saw that the English batsmen were losing their wickets to Abrar, but they were still trying to attack him, dominate him in order to damage his line. Since he was on debut, it was something that could have been very effective against him. But again, Abrar did get the better of them. But I believe that England, to some extent, did not give up on their approach. And it's about, again, the mentality with which the England players are playing with. That completely showed in the first innings against Multan when they did score 285 runs, which is a very average total in Test cricket. But they completely backed their ability from their openers to even their tail-enders. You see somebody like Mark Wood walk in and completely attack the opposition and take them off guard. And I believe that creates a lot of confusion amongst the fielding team as to what field they would want to deploy or would they rather want to go on containing the team or would they rather attack and go for wickets? Yeah, precisely. Yeah, so this is a very important establishment and everybody needs to get it embedded in the heads that baseball is not confined to just batting. It's seeping into every department of the game and it's an absolute package and you're buying into it and you can't just be aggressive with the bat and follow it with very dull and uh, primordial bowling. So you need to be new and fresh in your thinking with each and every respect of the game. Uh, it would be a travesty if we do not discuss the man of the moment, Abrar Ahmed. And uh, we keep on going about the other things. But he has been one of the highlights of the England and Pakistan series so far. What a sparkling debut. I think he has produced the third best performance for Pakistan on debut in Test cricket. And it's been an absolute pleasure to watch him bowl. But there have been some really interesting chatter about his debut with Ben Duckett making that statement that he's actually not a mystery spinner, even though he was being touted as one. And he going on to say that he's just someone who has a lovely googly. He's not someone who can be dubbed as a mystery spinner per se. So what are your thoughts on that? And also, please just capsulize the whole journey of Abrar Ahmed because he is someone who's taken international cricket by storm but not everybody knows about how he's progressed through the ranks. So you being from Pakistan can really put the spotlight on it. Definitely, Aryan. Abrar has had a very commendable journey, I believe, as a cricketer. He mentioned that he began his cricketing journey with the tape ball, which is something very common in Pakistan as well as, I believe, in India. And it has produced a lot of talented cricketers for both countries. Abrar is somebody who uses his middle finger while bowling and which makes him a rather unorthodox bowler. And Abrar exploded onto the scene 
when he picked up 53 wickets in his under 19 series and he was referred as a shock pick in the Pakistan Super League but again he gives credit to the likes of Mickey Arthur for that where he was being picked up by the Karachi Kings Abrar mentioned in a recent interview that he began his cricketing journey at the Rashid Latif Cricket Academy who was the ex wicketkeeper as well as the captain of the Pakistan cricket team his academy is based in Karachi which is where Abrar tends to live as well however Abrar while beginning his career was obviously very hyped and rightfully so i believe Abrar came to a crushing injury during his career right at the start which led him to being out of the game for 2 years he suffered a stra- stage 5 stress fracture and because of that people did question his action because people actually believed it was the action that had caused that injury and even when he recovered from the injury attempts were made by his coaches to convert him into a full time proper off spinner rather than the bowler he is Abrar has always been regarded as a brilliant bowler in the limited over format and nobody expected him to do so well in test cricket and even prior to his selection in the test cricket Aqib Javed who's a Pakistani legend mentioned the fact that mystery spinners like the one Abrar is don't tend to perform that much in red ball cricket but again Abrar has been simply amazing i believe in red ball cricket because in the qaid azam trophy abrar made all the headlines i believe because he picked up 43 wickets in this one particular season while playing for sindh while averaging 45.76 and i believe that those are remarkable numbers thank you for giving that backdrop daniel it was very heartening and wonderful to listen to how abrar has come up through the pakistan system of cricket and uh, it was definitely an interesting pick a left field selection if you can call it because for two reasons uh, firstly that you say that he was not someone who you associated with the red ball success but then he was being fast tracked into the team for the multan test and he obviously uh, went on to do what he did but for another reason that zahid mahmood the another leg spinner that pakistan had uh, introduced in the first test he considered uh, most runs on test debut he was the most expensive uh, overtaking suraj randeep from sri lanka so uh, for pakistan to have burned their fingers after introducing a leg spinner in front of england and england obviously dominating zahid mahmood how did pakistan actually muster up the courage to field two leg spinners in multan that is one of the questions that is raging in my head Aryan I completely agree with the fact that the selection of Zahid Mahmood over Abrar was something questionable and it is something that received a lot of criticism out of the 43 that Abrar picked in this year's Qaid-e-Azam trophy came to be in Rawalpindi and despite this stat he was not picked in the team and not only this Zahid Mahmood's recent form was questionable itself because zahid had only managed to pick 13 wickets in the qaid-e-azam trophy compared to abrar's 43 and you can see the vast difference and abrar has always been an attacking bowler i believe you mentioned the fact that 
people don't usually associate red ball cricket success with abrar but he's always proved them wrong i believe because even when prior to his run in the qaid azam trophy he played the second 11 tournament representing sindh only and he did a phenomenal job a particular reason for his success in red ball cricket is that he tends to flight the ball and he doesn't bowl with a lot of pace and he has a lot of variations to his game and the way in which he flights the ball actually makes the bat- batsman to come forward to play him and then you see the zack crawley dismissal and you can actually link up with what i'm trying to mention over here that as he flights the ball the ball tends to spin a lot and even the english batsman they mentioned that abrar's talk delivery does not tend to spin a lot but the googly manages to turn quite a mile and that is something which has been the reason for abrar's success and you have to give him credit that since he uses his middle finger while bowling abrar bowled 22 overs and from the point of view of a viewer you could see that abrar was constantly bowling from one end and zahid mehmood who recently made his debut in the pindi test could not contain with the pressure because the england batsman constantly took the attack to him the thing you mentioned about his stock ball not turning that much in that sense you can draw a parallel with ravi bishnoi because ravi bishnoi is also someone who doesn't spin the leg spin a lot uh, there are also two uh, ways i want to make this discussion branched out is that there was a stark contrast in the way pakistan and england had their combinations in the multan test because if i'm not wrong pakistan fielded three spinners and england went on with a four pronged pace attack am i right about the point you made about ravi bishnoi i saw him during the asia cup game against pakistan and he got the wicket of babar azam and bishnoi has a lot of variations as well and i saw that he's quicker through the air in the t20s and likewise we saw a lot of quicker in the air deliveries from abrar during the kashmir premier league which is a tournament held in pakistan and abrar was seen bowling with the new ball for his team with the white ball i believe so i think it's just something that we need to praise that how he manages to shift between the two bowling quicker in the air in the limited overs making it difficult for the batsman and then when it comes down to longer sessions and longer bowlings in test cricket abra he tends to flight the ball and makes the batsman come forward about the combinations this series has been quite an eye opener for pakistan in quite a few ways i mean i would like to say for england i would like to begin with with the fact that england did not have all of their players 100% available prior to the pindi game because of their health issues but for pakistan pakistan could have capitalized on what was an unfortunate event for england but the selections made by the pakistani cricket team were quite questionable i believe because the biggest concern for pakistan right now after the series is the workload management of their fast bowlers because now you see the likes of shaheen afridi you see the likes of haris rauf and even naseem shah they're all getting injured because of their workload and a lot of questions have been are being raised because do is it justifiable i believe for somebody like shaheen afridi to play in zimbabwe which we saw in test cricket and bowl those longer spells and how 
cricket has just moved on to become so so hectic in terms of workload with all these leagues coming up with t20 cricket and then the one day cricket and even test cricket where you have to bowl longer spells as a fast bowler and it is something that we clearly saw that pakistan weren't prepared for i believe the harris rauf injury was a little unfortunate with that occurring in the field but with what happened with naseem shah and in general with shaheen shah you see i think pakistan need to have a much more i would say positive and manageable approach in terms of especially when it comes down to their fast bowlers yeah i agree with that and uh, india could be a benchmark for player rotation and workload management speaking of uh, performances i think uh, when you go into a subcontinental country the limelight is always on the spinners that spinners if you come to india ashwin and jadeja are expected to excel but in the first and second test in multan and uh, the recently concluded test in multan and obviously the first test in rawalpindi james anderson has grabbed quite a lot of eyeballs uh, and i just want to bring it into the discussion that how he has evolved as a bowler in the subcontinent when you take india into account the last three tours uh, jimmy anderson i think he has made a progress in terms of setting fields and being more aware of how he is going to actually make an impact in conditions which are not very friendly to him with the point you made about india's workload management i believe that another difference in the approach of when it comes down to selecting players is that sometimes you see that in pakistan players often get fast tracked into cricket while in india there's a lot of ranji trophy games or just general first class domestic games that build and shape up that player and you see the difference in the maturity of those players when they actually play even with the selection of mohammad ali who made his debut in rawalpindi he has played only 24 games and obviously with the unfortunate events that occurred with the injuries to haris and naseem mohammad ali became probably the most reliable proper fast bowler for pakistan in the multan test only in his second game and he had only made his debut a week ago this is something that pakistan needs to work on because even when you go into the backdrop pakistan had two choices to make which was to choose amongst mohammad wasim junior and fahim ashraf they went for fahim ashraf obviously because of experience but again the person competing for the selection position with fahim had played a handful games of first class cricket which again goes back to the question that do pakistan really fast track players into the team and then when they don't perform they get dropped for quite a while for pakistan it's been a little confusing as to what they're trying to do with the spin attack because babar mentioned that pakistan were looking for a spin friendly wicket in pindi where they played only one proper fast bowler and one proper spinner in zaid mahmood and there were two all rounders in terms of aga salman and saud shakil who don't usually bowl a lot in the domestic arena and then moving on to multan they got in somebody like mohammad nawaz who's obviously a better batsman than majority of the tail and he's a proper batsman you've seen that in white ball cricket he's a, an experienced domestic player and he's scored a lot of runs for northern 
which is his team and they've had the likes of Fahim Ashraf come in so now in the Multan test Pakistan actually had five spinning options with Aga Salman and Saud Shakil being spinners in terms of their all-rounding bowling abilities but they did not ball which is again which shows the clear confusion into their roles in the team because in one test where you expect them to ball and support your primary spinner and then there's the other test in which you don't see them ball at all so there's a lot of confusion amongst that and out of all of this there has to be a lot of appreciation for the likes of James Anderson he's obviously a living legend and him being able to play on Pakistani soil after so long is something that a lot of Pakistan cricket fans are still letting that sink in the feeling of watching him play he's the legend of the game and obviously the experience really shows because even the head coach of the Pakistan cricket team mentioned the fact that James Anderson himself is more experienced and has more wickets than the whole Pakistani bowling lineup combined the experience certainly showed Yeah, absolutely. And expanding on your point about Anderson, I think his performances in Asia have ebbed and flowed to an extent because during the India series in 2012-13, when he bowled that famous in-swinger to Sachin Tendulkar and had him castle, he was the only bowler to play all four matches in that series. He was the only pacer. And uh, he took 12 wickets in the series, which is a decent harvest for a subcontinental top. And but what followed was in the next tour, he had a very poor outing and uh, Virat Kohli scored 235 and England just looked listless. Chris Wokes went for runs and Henderson as well proved a lot of expensive. But then again, he worked on his skills and when the next time he returned to India, he took 8 wickets at a much improved average of 15, suggesting that he learned from experience. And uh, if you take into account the in-swinging pitches that he bowled to Shubman Gill and Ajinkya Rahane in Chennai, uh, I'm sure those wickets must be fresh in your memory because the stumps went cartwheeling and it was a spectacle. And if you add to that the outswinger, which has been making the rounds on social media to Mohamed Rizwan recently, it's an absolutely perfect delivery and it's a seed which uh, batsmen will find it very hard to deal with. So, if you take these deliveries into account and scratch the surface as to how he's been working out the seam positions and using wobble seam to great effect and also the field placements, like I remember having a short mid-wicket for Mohamed Rizwan and having him caught out there, having silly mid-on for Gillan Rahane just in case they mistimed the on-drive as the ball tailed in. So, these are the slight improvements that, that he's made to his arsenal and that have helped him facilitate better performances in the subcontinent because obviously throughout his career it has been an asterisk around his name that okay Jimmy Anderson is a cloud bowler he's someone who excels when the conditions are in his favor but as soon as he enters alien territory his performances goes haywire but somehow he's been trying to shift that narrative on its head because if you look at his performances in the Pakistan series so far he has taken at 4 for 36 in the 10th final innings. So, it does say a lot about his improvement uh, when a bowler of his caliber who has accumulated a wealth of experience over the years 
when it produces a performances like that in a high scoring five day test uh, which is obviously went on to create the record for the most high scoring five day test of all time so to take four for 36 in the 10th final innings chase uh, with pakistan obviously looking to uh, take a positive route and trying to chase that total down uh, and mind you it was the shortest pitch spell of his entire career so it was not like he got all the wickets by bowling full and by reversing the ball there was a nice change up and mixture of lengths and for me the most impressive thing was how ben stokes captaincy has rubbed on to james anderson and it has given him an added dimension of confidence because now he can be very fearless in his approach and not worry about conceding runs as such and he can just go all out with an optimistic intent of taking wickets and that showed in the field settings as well right that like they have the leg slip on nowadays and uh, it is imperative in subcontinental conditions i feel because obviously there's not enough assistance from the track so you need to keep trying on stuff and you need to have constant reshuffling of ideas just to be successful and it has worked out absolutely incredibly for england in this series because obviously you don't expect the seamers to have much of a say in these conditions this part of the world but again even ali robinson for that matter his discipline in and around the austin channel and the statement also i read about him that uh, he gave that if you keep pestering the batter around the austin and you can get it to nibble nibble around both ways then obviously you'll have him in trouble beat any part of the world and that's absolutely true it's a universal truth so England's fast bowling coming coming up well and delivering goods is is a very heartening thing for for England and uh, uh, I just hope we get to see a bit more reverse swing in the third test. Uh, what do you reckon the conditions in Karachi are they ideal for reverse swing? Yes, Aryan. I believe that the ball tends to reverse swing a lot in Karachi. Obviously, with the sea breeze. it really helps the fast bowlers and as the ball tends to get older with time it starts reversing and then it's a part of pakistan's great history having the likes of wakar yunus and wasim akram they used to really reverse swing the ball and it's something that we can look forward to in the karachi test that's right venezas i believe moving on about how you incorporated the idea of ben stokes and james anderson a surprising fact that i would like to mention is that Anderson bowled only five overs in the first innings of the Pindi Test, and it's something quite surprising when you talk about James Anderson. I think it's probably one of his shortest spells in his Test cricket career. But again, you go to the approach of how they're very quick in terms of their decision making, and they don't show any reluctance in taking bold and brave decisions. They saw that this wicket had less to offer for somebody like James Anderson, and they immediately switched. to the li- likes of jack leach was bowling spin as compared to the pakistani bowlers i believe james anderson has a lot of experience and we saw that and i believe that it's something that we don't only get to see in his bowling in terms of the strategies that england used you saw that james actually walked up to the bowler to have chats quite a few times and doing all of that as well as the agility he has in the field referring to that south shakil catch in the multan test that really turned around things for them i believe doing that at this level at the age of 40 is something that deserves a lot of appreciation and it shows a lot of 
dedication from the side of James Anderson. And it actually shows what the sport itself means to him because at this age, having the hunger to do something that you've been doing all this time and being at your utmost prime and in the end getting results for your team, it's something brilliant, I believe. Absolutely, Daniel, 100%. Uh, the cricketing community doffs his hat to Anderson and how he's evolved as a bowler, not only keeping his body in prime shape, but also constantly working out batters and working out conditions. And obviously, he's had great assistance from the England management and that is very pleasing to see. Uh, but backtracking to the Rawalpindi test, I thought... When we talk about reverse swing, one of the key ingredients to reverse swing is the scuffing of the cherry, right? So, considering that England had 28 boundaries in the first session itself, with Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett running riot, uh, why do you think the ball didn't reverse as much in Rahul Pindi? Because, obviously, when the ball hits the advertising hoardings and it's spanking of the bat every now and then, it is supposed to get older quickly. Obviously, one of the factors is that the pitch was so benign that it didn't offer any assistance out of the track. No later moment, obviously. But I expected to see a reverse swing play a role in the game much earlier than it did. I think it didn't reverse as much or, or did as appreciably as I expected it to in the first innings in Rahul Bindi. Yes, Aryan, I believe it wasn't only you. A lot of cricketing fans in general expected to see the ball reverse. In comparison to the Pakistani team, I believe, the England players made a lot of effort to keep the ball shine. As you saw a video of Joe Roo shining the ball from Jack Leeds' head. And it showed just one of the efforts that the English team were making in order to keep the ball shine so that the ball actually has some movement. Part of it, I believe, is due to the pitch because the pitch absolutely had no carry. And like you said, the shots that the England played, they actually took off a lot of the shine of the ball. But I, in general, I think it's something that has to do with the pitch. And even I believe with the ballers, because the Pakistani ballers, the pace attack in particular, come from a very T20 sort of background. Naseem Shah, you see, is somebody quite young. Haris Rauf himself is somebody very young. Muhammad Ali was only making his debut and he's only played 25, 24 first-class games. So to have the ball to reverse, I believe you need the experience first of all and then reverse swing is, in itself is an art as Vakar Yunus refers it to. So I believe the bowlers themselves, they were a little young, they were a little un inexperienced and they were caught off guard by the attacking English style of play. Yeah, correct. Uh, quite a pertinent explanation that and uh, one of the points that you mentioned was the inexperience of Pakistani fast bowlers showing up in their ineptitude to reverse swing the ball. And do you think someone like Mohamed Abbas, who has had quite a lot of quantity experience, uh, would have come in handy in those conditions? Certainly, I believe Abbas has been an amazing find for Pakistan cricket and he's had a brilliant run with the Pakistan cricket team before too he was dropped. After that, he did make a comeback in the domestic arena and he was amongst the players who were listed to get selected. But then a last-minute niggle is what I think restricted him from being selected, as the chief selector mentioned. But even having the likes of somebody like Hassan Ali, 
he's somebody who tends to reverse the ball and we saw that when he played against South Africa and Pindi picking up a fifer and Hassan has been always regarded as one of the best emerging reverse swing bowlers in Pakistan it's obviously understandable that Hassan wasn't a part of the squad but again prior to the Multan test there was a chance that Hassan Ali might replace Hariso but the management tend to stick with somebody like Fahim Ashraf to do the job for them maybe because they were expecting a rather spinning track but again it's something that Pakistan could have capitalized on yeah, yeah fair enough and uh, speaking about players on the fringes and those on the sidelines uh, considering the fact that Pakistan is now virtually out of the World Test Championship race uh, obviously mathematically it's possible if other reserves go their way but they are no longer authors of their own fortune so do you think going into Karachi uh, they can actually rope in some fresh talent and give some of the players who have been warming the benches a go Yes, Aryan, I totally believe that Pakistan can experiment with their squad because New Z- the New Zealand tour of Pakistan is about to start as well. Pakistan plans to play two test matches against New Zealand on home soil. And I believe that Pakistan can experiment with quite a few names which might already have been picked by Pakistan. And one of them is somebody like Shan Masood. He's an amazing player of spin. And he's had a phenomenal run in the county season prior to his selection. And then after which he was picked up in the T20 squad, for which he received much criticism because of his strike rate. But again, he proved to be Pakistan's highest scorer at the World Cup. And he played some good knocks in clutch moments against England in the final. And in the Zimbabwe game that Pakistan did lose. But even prior to that, in the game against India, he scored a handy 50. Shan is amongst the best players of spin in Pakistan. And I believe that the Pakistani batting order certainly lacks stability in terms of batting. They did bring in depth while bringing in somebody like Fahim Ashraf and Mohammad Nawaz. But I believe that having a proper batsman is like the backbone of your team, especially your middle order. Nasir Hussain made the really impressive point that it's the middle order where the problem lies for Pakistan. And the middle order actually needs to step up because you saw what happened in the first innings in Multan that Pakistan were in a quite commanding position. They could have built upon a solid lead for the team and then eventually capitalized on it. But again, it's something they could not execute because of their batting. So maybe somebody like Shan Masood would be a nice inclusion. And along with him, there's a lot of being said about Mohammad Rizwan being rested. And Mohammad Rizwan has been an amazing player in Test cricket. And so having somebody like Safraz could be something that Pakistan can look into. And there's a chance that there's even a possibility that they can play both of them. So Safraz can play as a batsman. He's had a good run with Sindh in the Kaide Azam trophy. And again, if Pakistan do plan on making a spinning track in Karachi, they can definitely play somebody like Safraz because not only is he a good player of spin, He's somebody who takes the attack to the bowlers and going along with the basketball approach, he's somebody who plays with a higher strike rate. He's amongst the play, few players who have a really high strike rate in test cricket against spin. These are some changes that Pakistan can probably make and maybe in, even in their bowling lineup, if they do want to actually really exploit their worst swing, 
they can go for somebody like Mohammad Wasim, who's really regarded as a fast bowler. He's got the pace. So Pakistan can actually make a few changes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great names you've listed down there. Lovely talking to you, Daniel. It's been a great first podcast. And I hope we build on to this early progress. How was your experience? Likewise, Aryan, I believe since it was the first time, obviously there's a lot of room for us to improve. But again, it's something very nice, I believe, for cricket in general. And I believe getting to talk to you and getting to know the perspective of somebody who's across the border, which goes along with that name as well. It's really nice and it's a humbling experience. And I hope to learn a lot from you in general and hopefully produce some good content while somebody like Rupayan also joins in. And yeah, onwards and upwards. The feeling is definitely mutual, Danya. Thank you so much for joining. Signing off. Thank you, Aryan.